wonderful, lovely sense of his presence. Thank you, Gary, Stephen, Ruth, and Richard. Lord bless you. Let's turn to the scriptures, please, again. Psalm 30. Psalm 30, please. We'll just lift out a couple of verses. Psalm 30. Let's lift out verses 4 and 5. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. For his anger endureth but a moment, and his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Let us pray. Father, we ask you now to settle us in with yourself, Lord, to shut us in each and every one. Let us tune in to the voice of the Spirit. May your word find a lodging place and have free course in the house of God this evening. Glorify your own name, we pray. Lift up the Son of God. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Giving you thanks for everything. Amen. Amen. Faith looks to the morning's joy. This is part two. We brought part one of it last week and we lifted out, as it were, verse five for our verse or our text this evening is, for his anger endureth but for a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. If you remember last week, we looked at where Jesus is, his heaven there. And last week, we also looked at how David was writing this psalm. And theologians tend to think he was writing it either at the dedication of his own home, which was the house of cedar, or the dedication of a temple which would be built prophetically by Solomon, his son. And also it is prophetic with a greater measure. The big picture is for the millennium kingdom of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because at the start of this, the opening caption says, a psalm and song of dedication of the house of David. I also mentioned this last week too. It could well be that the house of David speaks of the royal throne, dedicated when Christ returns to sit on the throne of Jehovah, the throne that is rightfully his, when all kings and queens and princes of the earth will come to pay homage to our Lord Jesus Christ to bow the knee when he sets up his marvelous kingdom. Queen Elizabeth will hand over her throne to him. And in Washington, the president will bow the knee. Here we have a prophetic utterance. But the thing was, David was forbidden to build the temple of Solomon. And because it was forbidden service of the Lord, it didn't put David off. It didn't make David say, well, I'm going to take an umbrage and I'm going to take the hump and I'm not going to bother with the things of God David bowed the knee and the will to the Almighty. And what did he do? He laid up in store. 
He gathered all the goods. He brought in all the wood. He made sure his son Solomon, who was coming behind him, would build the great edifice of Solomon's temple. I asked you last week a question, and the question was, what are we doing in our lives? What is the witness and the testimony of our lives that we are laying up in store to pass down to our children? Anyhow, we are told that David is praying and David is reciting and David is writing this psalm, Psalm 30, and it is a psalm of faith. Faith because God said what he would do, so David believed God for what he said he would do. In other words, David might not see the temple, and he didn't. But he knew God who told him that he would be with him. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He knew that even at the coming of Christ, he would be with the Redeemer. So faith looks to the morning's joy. Your faith might be weak tonight. But that little mustard seed inside every believer at our very weakest point is what shows us and tells us and brings us to that light that there's a bigger picture than my life. There's a bigger picture than the things I have done. There's a bigger picture and Almighty God has promised and put the promise in me that I will be in his kingdom. So I believe it. Should death take me? Should I lie in the grave? Almighty God will not forget me. For I will rise at the resurrection and my body and spirit will come together and so I shall always be with the Lord. Faith looks to the morning's joy. When you're going through a hard time, when you're going through a dark time, when you're going through a fearful time and a worrying time, when you're going through a time of hurt and distress, oh, how we lie in our beds at night and we stare at the ceiling And we're saying, oh God, but if you bring me through this time, Lord, I'll straighten my life and I'll serve you. Maybe it's a child that's been sick and God has came through and answered your prayer. And when he did that, well, you start to slack off. And the praying that we do in the valley, the the worship on the mountain is not as great. The thanksgiving and the adoration seems to peter out because we have that desire of our hearts instead of praising God for his goodness and thanking him for his greatness and the wonderful answer to prayer and saying, Lord, I will pay my vows now in the presence of your people, as David said in Psalm 116. Instead, God's people tend to slack off from the place of prayer in the closet seeking the face of God. David knew, even though he would go to the grave, that one day, that perpetual throne, he would see the Christ of God. Great David's greater son, the Lord Jesus, would come to rule and to reign. And it was the faith that was looking to the coming of Christ and the morning's joy. And whatever circumstance you're in, brother, this evening, And whatever you find yourself in this evening, sister, and you're down in heart or you've been looking at the ceiling and you're worried about things and you don't know what's happening, take hope and take heart tonight for your faith must look to the morning's joy because joy cometh in the morning. Christ will come through for you. 
Trust in him with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. David, writing this, said it's going to be for a psalm or a song of dedication. I might use it as other Israelites did and, and dedicate the house of cedar. Fine and fair, David. But this has been taken by the Holy Ghost. It has been inspired by the Holy Ghost. So it's greater than just the dedication of David's house. It's a dedication for the temple that would come. It's a dedication for the kingdom of God and the perpetual throne of David. And he's saying, Lord, I know that one of my seed will sit one day as ruler over all the universe when Christ returns in all his glory. So your faith looks to the morning's joy. God has great things ahead for you. And those who don't know our Lord Jesus Christ, God wants to save you for he loves you. And he has great things ahead for you. We mentioned a line from an old hymn last week also, just covered over it. And it was, glory to thee for all the grace I have not tasted yet. In other words, we should give him glory because faith looks to the morning's joy. Give him glory for his promise his promises in your life. Give him glory for what he's going to do in your life. Speak in faith and walk in faith and act in faith and say, glory to thee for all the grace I have not tasted yet. Lord, you have a great plan and purpose for my life and I thank thee, O Father, that I'm found well in thy son. And I know what you say will come to pass. You will bring it to fruition. So praise the Lord this evening. Praise the Lord in the morning when you get up. Praise the Lord when you're in your lunch break. Praise the Lord when you're doing the housework. Praise the Lord in the evening. Praise the Lord before you go to bed. Praise him in the night watches when you're lying there wondering what to do. Someone says, I count sheep. But I'm sick counting sheep. I keep counting sheep and it doesn't work. Then talk to the shepherd. Talk to the shepherd. There's many a night I sit up all night and I'm lying in bed and Lord, I just can't sleep, so I might as well talk to you. And he's always there. And weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Jesus will come through. He is no man's debtor. He will not fail you. He'll neither leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's always there for you. Trust in him this evening. Put your whole heart and your whole faith in the things of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Here we have this old Puritan, Nehemiah Rogers says, Christ's performances outstrip his promises. Christ's performances outstrip his promises. I want you to get that into your, into your spirit this evening. Christ's performances outstrip his promises. In other words, that which you think in your mind that God can do, that Christ can do, that which you think in your heart which he can do, the abundance of it, the size of it, the, 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 the majesty of it, the power of it. You know, that, that great supernatural act, that move of God that you need. Oh, you say, Lord, this is what I need. And it's bursting my mind with it, Lord. Oh, it's a big thing. Well, I can tell you something. Christ's performances outstrip his promises. For he can do exceeding, abundantly, above all we could ever ask or think of him. That is our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith looks 
to the morning's joy. Have your faith reach and stretch out and looking for the morning's joy which is in Christ. For he has a plan for you, a purpose for you. And in his kingdom he is preparing something your mind cannot compute. The Bible tells us of streets of gold and gates of pearl and tells us of crystal rivers and all this sort of stuff. But that's so as you and I can understand to the highest form, order and degree what the human mind and knowledge can comprehend. What on earth is this kingdom of heaven like whenever Christ comes and sets it up? And you and I can't compute it. So God gives us things that we will understand. We understand gold and precious stones. We understand the uh, uh, pearly gates. We understand what they may look like. But I believe with all my heart, when you and I enter the kingdom of God, I believe the redeemed will go singing the songs of Zion. For we will see our Lord Jesus Christ and he will outshine all of the things that that new Jerusalem will have. He will be the lamb in the midst of the throne. And we will see him and our Lord and Savior We'll hear the dedication song as we sing redemption songs unto the Lord. I will extol thee, O God, for thou hast lifted me up and hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. That's what David says in Psalm 100, or sorry, rather 30 and verse 1. Here we have Christ in his throne. And we will see the kingdom of God. And you and I will never understand now, but then we will understand. Listen to what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9. I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. What has God prepared for you? Think your wildest dream and with a sanctified imagination, with the holiness of the Spirit of God helping you. What has God prepared for us? Oh, pearly gates and golden streets and and rivers of crystal flowing water. And we think, oh, how marvelous. Oh, your eye hasn't seen, nor has your ear heard, and neither hath it entered into your very heart. Oh, for God has more of a blessing for you. He has so much more in this life and in the life to come. God doesn't want you to be down and defeated and doesn't want you to feel beated and vibrated. God wants you to be a vibrant, victorious church. And he has great things for you. Think about it. It's great things for me. Lord, you have great things for me. You're going to do great things through me. You're going to do great things for me. Lord, you have great things. Oh, help me, Lord, to get it into my heart. You know, if we just caught a glimpse afresh, if we caught a glimpse anew of the things that Christ has done for us and the promises of God he's placed in us, then you and I would burn with zeal, with a fire and a passion for the Lord to serve him. Oh, we'd never be able to, to, to sit down. We'd be wearing our shoes out unless he give us shoes like Moses and the Israelites where they didn't wear thin. Let's get the passion of the Lord And back into our lives again. I want to take a reading from the book of Hebrews. For listen to this. David looks ahead, looking for, as it were, the morning's joy. Faith looks to the morning's joy. Lord, you have something ahead for me. You have something around the corner for me. 
Lord, it could come tomorrow. It could come tonight. Salvation could come to me tonight if I call in your name. But God, you say, Lord, I know you're doing something. I'm just finding it hard to wait and to be patient. Oh, break in and break through. And Lord, cause things to happen in my life. And see what God will do. See what he will do for you. Have faith in God tonight, brother. Have faith in God tonight, sister. Have faith that he's something bigger and greater for you. He has an illustrious career for you in Christ. And oh, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. And he addeth no sorrow with it. Hebrews 11. Notice this. Hebrews 11, verse 33. Speaks of all those. This is known as faith's hall of fame. Speaking of all the oldies of the faith. All those who followed Yahweh. Almighty God of the Old Testament, New Testament scriptures. Notice this. Verse 33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Now, let me tell you something. That's a big study in itself. But there's two main resurrections. One is that for the just and one for the unjust. One for the saved and one for the lost. Now, there's another study for the, the saved and the order of things and the resurrection. But that's for another day. Notice what he says here. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourging. Jay, moreover, the bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. Isn't that beautiful? Here were these people trusting in God with promises given to them. It was abiding in their heart and they walked about and they were having to hide and then were being tortured and slandered and their name was being torn all over the place. Things were happening to them that you and I can't even begin to understand. But when God looked at them, God says the world is not worthy of them. Let us read on here. Verse 39, and these all having obtained a good report through faith. Notice that. Having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us. That they without us should not be made perfect. In other words, there was a bigger plan. There was a bigger purpose. There was the kingdom of God. There was a holy heaven. And God says, I can't bring you now, but you're part of my plan and my purpose. Here is the promise. Trust me to bring it to pass. And oh, Christ came and died on the cross of Calvary, shed his most precious blood. And when Christ shed his blood, you and I were redeemed. 
by that precious blood. You and I were bought with a great price. And all the promise of God for the future is that Christ will return again and set up his throne, his marvelous kingdom, and we will rule and reign with him. You and I are made kings and priests unto our God. Now, if that's not something to cause you to look by faith to the morning's joy. That is the great morning when Christ returns. That is the great morning of the setting up of the kingdom of God. Now mark you, I don't mean that Christ is returning in the morning. For no one knows, no man knows the, the day nor the hour. It gives the idea of the new dawn, of the new day, of the new age. When Christ will rule and reign in righteousness. God has something better for us. Think about this. You read Hebrews 11 when you go through you go home. Abel's sacrifices there, the slaying of an animal. And God had respect unto it. Noah was there, the building of an ark. If you go on, it talks about Abraham being called out. Abraham going to be a father of many nations. Talks about Isaac blessing Jacob by faith. And Esau. It talks about Jacob blessing both the sons of Joseph. That is, while leaning upon the top of his staff, crossing his hands on Ephraim and Manasseh's head. By faith, he says, the blessing will fall on them. But they never saw it. But we have received it. Here we have a laying up in store for our families and for our children. You go on down there, Moses is there. And you know what the Bible tells me in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 39. And these all having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided something better for us. Notice that. God has given me and you who are saved something better than what he gave to Abraham. To Isaac and to Jacob. And to Moses and to Joseph. Imagine that. What has he given you? He's given you the full forgiveness of your sin. Washed in the blood of our kinsman redeemer. The Lord Jesus Christ. And filled you with his Holy Ghost. That's what God has done. Poured out all his wrath on his son. Let's look at this for a moment. Pouring out his wrath and his anger. Verse 30. Psalm Excuse me, Psalm 30 and verse 5 again. Psalm 30 and verse 5. For his anger endureth but for a moment, and his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. See the term here, we see God's character in this verse. Notice his anger, his favor. His anger, his favor. Now here's something to ask yourself. Which one are you under? His anger or his favor? Sure, we're all under his favor. In many ways, we have common grace, yes. But every man is under the wrath of God outside of Christ. So which are you under? His anger or his favor? In John chapter 3 and verse 36, the Lord Jesus says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, 
And he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. In other words, there's a great promise for you, friend. There's a great promise of heaven, the kingdom of God. There's a great promise for the forgiveness of sin. But if you reject the Savior, if you are found outside of Christ, should death wrap your door this moment, and you're found outside of Christ, you are under the wrath of God. Britain is under the wrath of God at the moment. The United States is under the wrath of God at the moment. The world is coming under the wrath of God. The unsaved, unregenerate world. And because of all their filthiness and the sin and the poverty and their corrupt governments, God is not pleased. He is angry. It's good to be saved, isn't it? It's good to be a child of God. It says here, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Do you believe in the Son? Is he residing in you? Do you believe in the Son of the everlasting life? He that believeth not, the Son shall not see life. In his favor is life, he says. Psalm 30 and 5. In his favor there's life. If you have the favor of God, it's the grace of God on you. And there's life in it. And his favor is life. Notice, shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See the word wrath? It's the word orge. And the word orge suggests a setting of the mind. Now listen to this. It suggests a setting of the mind with a view to taking revenge. Let me say it again. The wrath of God means this. It gives the idea, it suggests a settling of the mind with a view to taking revenge. There's people unsaved. And God seems to be so far away. Seems as if there is no God. They live how they want and they do what they like. They don't want to know the Lord Jesus. They shun the gospel they say, sure, there is no God to tell me what to do. And they live their lives like that. See, the orge of God is like this. It means God is holding back his wrath. He has settled in his mind that when his elect are redeemed, then will the wrath come. Then will the wrath of God be poured out. Those who are a Christ rejecter. The idea of orge is, or wrath here, it's not a sudden rise or an outburst of anger. If you were to look up the Greek New Testament, that is the word thumos. The thumos of God is when God strikes in wrath and then pulls away again. That is the idea. Takes a man with a stroke. The thumos of God. His anger has come up. Their cup has been filled. And God takes them. But here the orge means that God is settled in his mind that one day people are going to find out that he's a just God. That he is God. And that he gave his son for you and you rejected him. Gives the idea of a long lasting punishment. 
In other words, he withholds because he knows the outcome. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Notice, where is it revealed from? From hell? From heaven. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. And there is another one for the Catholic Church. Those men who have abused those children, institutionally abused them and bashed them and battered them. They're holding, as it were, they think the truth in their righteousness. And the wrath of God will be revealed in heaven and poured out against the harlot. She is a harlot church. It'll be poured out against every Protestant that's like that also. Every Protestant minister that will not preach the gospel. Oh, here comes the wrath. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. The word revealed is the word apocalypto. It's where we get the word apocalypse. Here comes the apocalypse of God. It's what the Bible says. Not some wee country preacher. It's what the Bible says. The word apocalypto means to make known to lay open what has been revealed. It's the same word, really, for the book of Revelation, the opening up of the, of the end times and the things of, of the seven letters to the seven churches in Asia. It gives the idea that which God had held and closed up, that means they'll be revealed. And that wrath will be poured out. And it means a long time. How long is long? The Bible says it's eternal damnation. Oh boy, I didn't want to come to hear that tonight. People don't preach that anymore. You're not very politically correct tonight. I don't think I'm politically correct any night. If I was to stand here and tell you a fairy tale, do a spin around and stand on my head and spit nickels, then you'd maybe think, well, not you, but others might think, well, then, you know, that was pretty entertaining. We're not here to entertain. We're here to waken people up that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun and Christ is returning. Are you a Bible badger? Yes. Yes. If that's what it is. I'd rather offend somebody into heaven. Listen, I'd rather offend you into heaven than nurse you into hell. I would rather offend a man and a woman that they realized their need of Christ and got right with God and saved and entered heaven. And on that day they'll say, I'm glad that you offended me. And rather nurse someone and be like that rich man and Lazarus where the rich man is burning and cooling of his tongue. He can't get even a drink of water. He says, let Lazarus come and cool my tongue. Dip his finger in the water to cool it. He says, for I'm in torments here. I don't want to be that man. I nursed you into hell. Well, I was thinking of your feelings. I was thinking of your feelings. I'm going to round this up and we'll do the other part. I've actually so much material, went off my material, so 
Let's do one more part. Let me round this up. Psalm 30 and verse 5 says, As anger endureth but a moment. Ah, you see, so it's not long. <laughs> yeah, David's saying that, saying, Lord, the times I failed you, and I know you were angry, but your love overcomes it. Your love overcomes it. He loves you. And he loves you that much he gave his son for you. Psalm 30 and 5, his anger endureth but for a moment. The word anger here in the Hebrews were off. You know what it means? And if you were to read other, now not every, but other areas, it, it means the nose. What on earth? How do you fit that one in? I'm afraid to show you because of a runny nose at the moment. <laughs> it means the nose. It gives the idea of the nostrils or even the forehead. Let me try. I'm not going to blow too hard. <laughs> Get the eye picture. That's the idea. You know when the, the eyes are, are sort of crunched down at the forehead and the forehead is pointed forward in anger and wrath, that's the idea. His anger. And then he pulls back, oh, I love him. I love her. And when he looks at me, I have something to tell you and I don't boast in myself. He's never angry at me. You know why? Because when he sees me, he sees Jesus. And it's no, but he's like that at our nation and all those who are throwing out his gospel. He's like that at every unsaved man, yet he's holding back that long, eternal period of destruction from you. You know why? Because he loves you. It's called grace. It's called grace and love and mercy. Mercy is when you do not get that which you do deserve. And grace is when we get that which we do not deserve. And his love overwhelms us. And he won't save you against your will, but if he calls you, he will make you willing to be saved. He works a work in you. He turns your heart to know the gospel. He turns your heart to have spiritual eyes to see the lovely, beautiful morning star. For our faith looks to the morning's joy, who is our Lord Jesus Christ. That when the Father looks at me, a guilty, vile, hell-deserving sinner, he sees Jesus. And he loves me. And oh, when you're in Christ, that wrath is expunged. And he cannot be angry with you because he loves him so much. Because he is my beloved son. Because he loves him so much. Me and you, I, we in Christ. He loves us so much. What a wonderful saviour. I'm going to jump over this pulpit in a minute. What a wonderful Lord. Oh, do you know what you're missing? Do you know what you're turning away? I think we'll do a part three in this next week. Will we? We'll start there. And show how he meets needs. Show how the Israelites had to look to the morning's joy. In other words, they had to look and trust God for their provision. We'll look at it next week in the Lord's will. See how God comes through every single time. You know why? Because he loves his people.
I trust you're in Christ tonight. I trust you're saved tonight. I trust the Lord has touched your heart and blessed you. I'm going to ask Colette to come up and sing in our peace, and then we're going to praise and worship and go home. But if you're sensing the tug of the Spirit, answer the call of God, and have his wrath expunged from your life, for already it is upon you, just being withheld. Bless his holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Colette, would you come up, please? Sing another piece. And then we'll ask Gary and the team to come up and worship. Blessed be his name. That's why Clyde's getting ready. If you want to come on Tuesday evening, we're having a Bible study. People are telling me they're really enjoying it. I think we're in about part eight of Psalm 138. We're taking it apart word by word. Listen, if God's dealing with you, please come. Thank you, Clyde.